Acts chapter 26. And if you read in Acts chapter 24 and 25, the two chapters before it, we notice that Paul is being tried before Felix. And in chapter 25, Paul being tried before Festus. And now we see in chapter 26 where Paul is being tried before whom? King Agrippa. And uh, oftentimes as I read this passage of Scripture, I think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was, uh, who was uh, tried several times, several times, but they could not find any fault in him. And if you look throughout this whole chapter, at the end of the chapter, that's basically what they say about Paul. There is no fault in this man. So he's being tried before King Agrippa here, and all the way up till verse number 11, we see Paul giving his testimony to King Agrippa. We see Paul giving his testimony of what kind of a person he was and who he was before he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And we see throughout this chapter that Paul talks about how he was a persecutor of the church. Paul murdered Christians. Paul sought after Christians. Paul sought after the church to destroy the church. He was constantly on missions to do exactly that. And if I had to say anything about it tonight, I'd say that Paul would be considered a modern-day terrorist. That's who Paul was. That's who Paul was. We're going to start reading in verse number 11 tonight, and if you are physically able and you can, would you mind standing with me for the reading of the Word of God, just in reverence of the Word of God, amen? And um, he is worthy for it, amen? Verse number 11, the Bible says, and this is Paul speaking, pay attention now, and I punish them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. And there we see it, Paul, what he's talking about. I was a persecutor of the Christians. That's what Paul says. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Paul knew exactly who he was speaking to right here. Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I think it's interesting how Jesus says here, Whom thou persecutest. When he was persecuting the church, Jesus took it personal. You're persecuting me. Amen. Look at verse number 16. Jesus says, But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And verse number 18, this is the great commission, folks. This is what we're here for. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. And may I remind you, and may we go back to the time that you asked Jesus Christ to save your soul from hell and the forgiveness of sins. You receive forgiveness of sins. And then you receive the inheritance. Amen. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so very much for your dear son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent over 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for our sins, that we can know for sure that we have eternal life. First John chapter 5 tells us, Lord, that we can know for sure that we have eternal life. 
Thank you so very much for that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your will would be done tonight and that they would see Jesus and not the preacher tonight. Put a hedge of protection about us. Put the fiery darts of Satan behind us. We do not need the devil here tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I didn't want you to stand for the rest of the reading of the Word of God here, but look at verse number 21. For these causes, and he keeps speaking here. Pay attention here. Verse number 21. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. In verse number 26, 27, and 28, these are my main verses tonight. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, here are the saddest words in all the Bible. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Look at verse number 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. I'd have to say that if I were a lost person or if I were a person reading this for the first time in my life, I would have to say that reading throughout chapter 26, all of these verses, Paul giving his testimony, I would have to say that King Agrippa would accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. I would think, wouldn't you think that with me tonight? Wouldn't you think after a clear plan of salvation, after hearing the gospel so plainly and so clearly from Paul about all his past life and then meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus with the light that you wouldn't think that Paul would give the gospel and King Agrippa would accept Jesus Christ as a Savior. That's what you would think. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. If I had to title this message anything tonight, this would be the title if you're taking any notes tonight. The title of the message tonight is Almost is Not Enough. Almost is Not Enough. You know, throughout this whole chapter, Paul gives his testimony. And I'd have to tell you tonight that the best tool you could ever use in soul winning, the best tool you could ever use to witness to someone that is lost is your testimony. Firstly tonight, firstly tonight, do you have a salvation testimony? Let me ask you that question. Do you have... A salvation testimony. I don't know, maybe there's somebody in here that says, you know, uh, I've been sitting in church almost all my life, but I don't know of a time and a place. I don't know anything in the back of my head that I can go back to, that I know that I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I know 100% sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. Maybe there's somebody here that night like that. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know your heart. But I do know this, Pastor, that we have a lot of people that play church on the pews of our churches today. We have a lot of people that have heard the gospel over and over and over again, but don't ever want to give their lives to Jesus Christ because maybe they're scared. Because maybe they're worried about what others may think. I don't know the reason. I'm just glad that in August 2nd, 1999, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. 
I remember the day. I remember I was six years old. I remember bowing my head and my father leading me to the Lord. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it's asking Jesus to come in my heart and save me. Do you have a salvation testimony? Do you have a salvation testimony? Let me say this. Before you can witness to the lost, you must be saved from being lost yourself. You must be saved from being lost. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Let me say this. I know that... uh, Oftentimes, I think about this whenever I preach about salvation and I preach a salvation message. Oftentimes, I think about the times that I remember as a young, as a young teenage boy or as a young adult even. Excuse me. That, me- that meal was good. Amen. Ah, oh, man. Praise the Lord. I just had a little bit of it again right there. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. Amen. Praise the Lord for good food. Amen. Amen. Yes. I remember as a young teenage boy and as a young adult, oftentimes struggling and battling with the problem of doubt. Doubt. I would have to say, Pastor and other preachers here tonight, I would have to say that doubt is one of the problems that is hindering all of our young people today. If you go throughout the country and you go to these youth conferences and these youth rallies and maybe even some youth camps or some summer camps, you'll see the same youth coming over and summer and over and over and over again coming to the altar getting saved five, six, seven, eight times. But we know the Bible doesn't teach that. What does the Bible teach? Once you're saved, you're always saved. You're always saved. I don't want to preach anybody out of their salvation tonight. If you're already saved, praise the Lord for it. But... Do you have a salvation testimony? Do you have one? You know, if you're, if you're battling with doubt, let me give this a little bit right here real quick. I feel like the Lord wants me to give this to you. If you're battling with doubt, I could probably tell you the main cause, the main reason is because your relationship with Jesus Christ is not where it needs to be. It's not where it needs to be. See, if you have a close relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no room for the devil. There's no room for him. Oh, there's no room for carnal things. The Bible teaches in the New Testament, if you walk closely with God, then you have only room for holy things. Not worldly things. Not carnal things. It's important that you have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you got saved, that's when your relationship started. And if anybody here tonight is married, they know that a relationship takes work. It takes effort. You have to work at it. Paul's testimony from verses 11 through 23. Paul gives his testimony. Do you have a testimony? If you have a testimony, use it. It's the best tool for soul winning. If you say, I'm a quiet person. I really don't like to talk. I'm a really backward kind of person. When I go to the door, I'd rather the other person talk and me be the silent partner. That's okay. We need that. Amen. We need a silent partner. Amen. That's needed. But use your testimony. Explain what happened to you. Use your testimony. Secondly tonight, I want to get to my third point as quickly as possible. Secondly tonight, are you hiding in a corner? Look at verse number 26 with me real quick. I think this verse is very interesting. Sometimes we skip over it because we're getting to the very final part of this chapter where he says almost. But look at verse number 26. This is interesting. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, for the king knoweth. Of these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. And this last phrase, listen to it carefully tonight. For this thing was not done in a what? 
in a corner? Are you hiding in a corner? That's my second point tonight. Let me ask you that question. Are you hiding in a corner? Is your light shining? Throughout the whole New Testament we see in Paul's writings and throughout the whole New Testament he shows it to us. Also, uh, he shows it to us through his, his testimony. But throughout the whole New Testament, Paul says over and over and over again, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't know where it may be. It may be at your workplace. I don't know if you're at school. Maybe you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's at the gas pump or if it's at the restaurant or wherever it may be. Is your light shining? Can someone see that you're set apart? Can someone see that there's something different about you? Are you hiding in the corner? Let me ask you this question. Are you a corner Christian? Are you a corner Christian? Are you that Christian that stands in the corner and watches everything work, but doing nothing yourself. Are you a corner Christian? Thirdly tonight, and I want to wrap it up here. Thirdly tonight, let me ask you this question, and this is the most important question of all outside of our first point, evidently. But look at point three. When was your last sad, soul-winning experience? When was your last sad, soul-winning experience? Let me ask you that. Look at verse number 27 and 28. Paul says, King Agrippa. And I could just see it right now in Paul's mind. He's thinking, after all of this, after all that I've said, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Paul was sure that King Agrippa believed what he said. Verse number 28. Saddest words ever spoken, almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Has it been too long? When was your last sad soul-winning experience? You know, throughout the rest of the Bible, we never, ever, ever, Brother Johnson, we never hear of King Agrippa accepting Jesus Christ as his Savior. I'd have to tell you tonight that King Agrippa, tonight, is burning in hell and has been burning in hell for eternity will burn for eternity. That's, that's, yeah, that gets real really quick. I used to go out soul winning with a, a man um, not too many years ago and probably the best soul winner I've ever been soul winning with in my life. And I learned so much from him. And he said, Jacob, he said, he told me this. He said, Jacob, if you ever lose your zeal for souls, if you ever lose your zeal to see souls saved and to be a soul winner, and you ever get tired... You ever get tired of just going over and over again and telling someone about the gospel? He said, just picture this. Picture that individual with flames around him. He said, I know that's graphic. He said, but that's the reality of it. He said, if you can't win that person or keep going and soul winning that person, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Has it been too long? When was your last sad soul-winning experience? In a, minute, in a minute, we're going to look at verse number 29, but let me tell you this. I don't know, maybe, I guess I was in my senior year of, of high school, and um, I was in the public schools there in Germany, like I said before, and I was really good friends with a, with a guy, of my, I got a friend of mine, his name was Patrick Frisch. 
And uh, Patrick and I, I mean, we did everything together. We played soccer together. Brother Patterson, they play soccer a lot. I know they play a lot of soccer in Mexico, and they play a lot of soccer in Germany too, brother. You know that. Amen. Does anybody play soccer in here? Any young kids play soccer in here? All right, man, we got a lot of kids that play soccer. I played soccer for about five years, and Patrick and I played soccer together. We played tennis and ping pong, and we did all the sports we could do together. And I remember thinking, man, this is great. I can be a Christian, and at the same time, I can have friends that are not saved. And I remember thinking, man, once in a blue moon, I'd get this little knock on my door, I felt like, which was the Holy Spirit. We know it's not the flesh. We know when this starts happening, this is not the flesh, folks. This is the Holy Spirit knocking on your door. And I remember thinking that all the years I went to high school and all the years that I knew Patrick, I sat next to him every single year and I thought to myself, I've never, ever explained the gospel to Patrick ever once in my life. Never. Ever. Patrick knew who I was. Patrick knew which church I went to. Patrick knew the rules in our household. He knew what I was allowed to do, what I was not allowed to do, but he was willing to push it to the side and just kind of keep a basic friendship. And I remember never asking Patrick if he were to die where he'd go. Never, ever. I remember my senior year, I was sitting there in art class, and who could ever, who would have thunk it that you could have a uh, test in art class? (laughs) But you can, I guess, right? So there I'm sitting in art class and we're about to have a test. And you know how it is. Whenever you have a test, you want to tell the next person beside you, man, I've studied up. I'm ready for this thing. I'm going to ace this thing. You're just really convincing yourself that you did study, but you didn't. That was Patrick. All right. All right. And so we would do that back and forth. Well, Patrick came in that day and he said, man, I'm ready for this test. And something got a hold of my heart. Something inside of me started pounding on the door and said, are you going to ask him? Are you going to ask him? And I finally looked, looked over to Patrick and I said, Patrick, I just have one question for you. Ich habe nur eine Frage für dich. Wenn du heute sterben würdest, wo würdest du hinkommen? Himmel oder die Hölle? Heaven or hell? I don't remember the answer till this day. Patrick looked at me and he said, I don't care. I don't care. I know he was young, we were young, but I thought about that. And brother, brother, that was a sad, soul-winning experience. I thought, man, what did I do wrong? The Holy Spirit told me to witness to him. What did I do wrong? He said, I don't care. Well, Patrick, till this day, is not saved, and I'm still praying for Patrick to be saved. I have a lot of acquaintances, a lot of friends over there that I'd love to see accept Jesus as their Savior, a lot of lifelong friends. That friendship's never real until they accept Jesus, right? Right? About two years ago, and I'm done right after this. About two years ago, I was living in Gainesville, Texas. My wife and I, we moved down there. And as we're living there, I, I always look to find a place to play basketball. I gain weight pretty fast. I know that sounds weird. I'm a young guy. I shouldn't be. I have to worry about my weight, but I do. So I'm always looking to keep my weight down. So I'm always looking for a basketball court to play basketball with or somebody to play basketball with to get my exercise in for the day. And so I said, Shay, I'm going to go look for a basketball court. We're new here in Gainesville. Well, I found one two minutes away from our home. Amen. At an NCTC, North Central Texas College there in Gainesville, Texas. And it's outside. And so I said, man, I love outside, outdoor courts. So I went there and I started playing and it was nighttime. So I flipped on the lights 
Brother Johnson, I'm playing basketball out there and thinking I'm an NBA star, a Russell Westbrook. Like you said last night, I can't stand that guy, but I, 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 uh, uh, I'm not a Thunder fan at all. It's, I'm a Mavericks fan, amen? I'm Dirk Nowitzki all the way. And so uh, we don't do well with the Thunder down there. So uh, anyway, um, anyway, so I'm out there playing and I've been shooting and all that and getting a sweat in and I see these guys over there. And I'm thinking, okay, the dorms, the college, these guys are probably students over there. And have you ever seen one of those grills in a park that have like the one pole grill and it's a little tiny grill and you kind of grill on it. It's like this small and it's at a park and it's free. Anybody can use it, put your little coal in you. It's really a piece of junk, but you know, everybody tries to use it and everything. And uh, well, these guys were over there and I, if I didn't know any better, they were vandalizing the thing. That's what they were doing. They were doing something to the grill. And something inside of me, we know it's the Holy Spirit. I love it when the Holy Spirit starts to work because I know if I obey the Holy Spirit, I'm right where I need to be. Amen. Amen. Right where I need to be. Right when the Holy Spirit started knocking on my door, I said, no, I'm not doing this. Five guys, my, my, my size, my, my everything, my age, everything. I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to go over there. Well, it kept knocking. I've always been taught to keep a New Testament in your glove box. Amen. I keep a New Testament in my glove box. That's a good thing to do. Always be ready. So I'm always ready. So I said, man. All right, I'm going to do this. So I walked over and I grabbed my New Testament. And I'm walking over. And if you've ever had this little interesting thing called a cold sweat on the back of your neck or on the back of your back, that's what I had. I was walking over there and I thought, man, I've witnessed to so many people. I've witnessed to many people before, you know, on soul winning or whatnot. But there's something about it when there's five and there's more people there and they're all your age. And you know they're going to laugh at you and they know they're just going to make fun of what you're talking about. I knew that was going to happen, but I said, you know what, I've got to obey the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I went over there. And I remember I took my New Testament over there and I'm holding it just like this. And I just walked up and I said, hey, my name is Jacob Shipman. I go to Crossroads Baptist Church. Do you have a church room you need to go to? And they all laughed. Oh, church is not for us. Exactly what I expected. Church is not for us. I don't need church. I don't do anything with God. Everything like that. What I've learned from soul winning, Brother Patterson, everybody else in here that's ever been a soul winner, is that you want to kind of dissect who's listening and who's not. And so I quickly, I found out, okay, these four right here, they're not listening to that word I'm saying. They're just wanting to goof off. But I could find out, I found out, or I could kind of tell this guy right here, he's listening to me. But he didn't really want to separate himself yet from the group. And I said, you know what? I'm going to separate him. So I started, started talking to Francisco. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Francisco. I said, what's your last name? Estrada. I said, Francisco, how old are you? He told me his age. I said, what are you doing at college? He told me what he's doing at college. I said, man, let me ask you one question. I like to get right to the point. I said, let me ask you this one quick question. I said, if you were to die tonight, would you be 50, 75, or 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? answer will blow your mind. He said, I'm 100% sure I'm going straight to hell. I said, well, Francisco, what, what made you say that? And as I'm looking over to the side, I realized the other four, they're not even there anymore. I don't know where they went. But Francisco was talking to me, and I had his attention. And he said, because I'm a man lover. I'm a homosexual. 
I said, Francisco, God is not a, pers- uh, is a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons at all. He doesn't care if you're homosexual. He doesn't care who you are. The Bible says whosoever will, he'll save your soul right now. Right now, he can save your soul from hell. No, no. I said, Francisco, let me put it this way. If you get on uh, West California Street right here in Gainesville and you go down your car and someone hits you head on and you die, friend, you're going to be spending eternity in hell someday. Well, I gave him a track. I'll tell you the honest truth, I got in my car. This is the honest truth. I got in my car and I started thinking about Francisco and I, something came real. But I've, I've witnessed a, a few other people before and I, I've never felt this way. And he got real to me thinking, man, Francisco's going to die tonight. Man, Lord, please don't let Francisco die tonight. Have mercy on Francisco because we all know an almighty and all righteous God has every bit of reason to kill a person that rejects the truth. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. But God's merciful. God's gracious. God's long-suffering. I remember getting home and I ran up the stairs in our little town home there. Grandpa, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about there. And I ran upstairs and I was crying. I said, Shay, we need to pray for Francisco right now. I said, we need to get on our knees and pray for Francisco to understand that he's lost. And what I told him, that if he doesn't accept Jesus as a Savior and realize his lost estate, that he can never be saved from hell, that he's come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us for all have sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. We're not good enough to get into heaven. We've come right up to the mark. I said, we need to pray that God makes that evident to him. That God comes real to Francisco. We prayed. Good thing I gave Francisco a track to our church and told him where we're at. You know, I always do that. Just make sure that they can come and visit us anytime. Next Sunday, I was right up here, right where you're sitting. And I was sitting there and the invitation, Brother Randy preached a good salvation message, amen, on a Sunday morning. It was good. I remember it. And I was sitting there on the front row and he brings the invitation. I come down and if anybody needs any help, maybe someone needs to be dealt with at the altar about salvation or something else or maybe want to join the church or get baptized. I don't know what the thing is, but I'm always ready and available. While I'm standing there and nothing happens, but I see Brother Randy come down from the pulpit and he walks down the, the aisle like this and I didn't look around because you know as you're not supposed to look around, right? Every head bowed and every eye closed. So I'm standing there and I see Brother Randy in my corner of my eye come back to the pulpit and he says, well, musicians stop and he stopped the invitation and he said, we, someone got saved this morning. And I sat there and I thought, oh, that's good, amen, praise the Lord, someone accepted Jesus as their Savior, that's good. He said, Francisco, raise your hand back there. And I sat here and I said, Francisco? And I stood there and I turned around and I just started to cry. And I thought about Jesus. How long-suffering and merciful He is. He saved a man-lover like Francisco. He saved Paul, a murderer of Christians. A murderer of the church. 
the body of Christ. But he'd save them. After church, Francisco came down and he stood up here and I came up and shook his hand and I'm bawling my eyes out. And the words out of Francisco's mouth were, what do I do next? What do I do next? That's what missions is all about. Souls. Souls. Think about this thought and we're going to get out of here, brother. Think about this thought with me real quick. You ever thought about when Paul died? Extraordinary, extraordinary testimony. Think about it. Think about it. Paul's testimony. You ever thought about when Paul died and he got to heaven? Think about it with me. He comes across all those Christians that he had murdered. All those men all those women, all those children, lives that he had destroyed, murdered, persecuted. But he got to go. But he got to go. It's pretty powerful. The blood of Jesus is powerful. 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 Verse number 29 this is the last verse. And Paul said, look there. And Paul said, these are, these are pretty strong words right here. These are strong words. And Paul said, I would to what? God. That not only thou, just not, you, not just you, King Agrippa, but also all that hear me this day. We're both almost and altogether such as I am. And always a little bit of humor, except these bonds. That was Paul wrapped up right there in a nutshell. Last question for you to ponder on tonight. Would you to God that blank had the gospel? You fill in that blank. Your Jerusalem. Your co-worker, your family member, your neighbor, your fellow church member. Would you to God? Would you to God? That's a lot. That's a lot of wood. Except these bonds. Paul, perfect example of a Christian. The model of a Christian, the model of a missionary, loved his enemies. I want you to have everything that I have. Just don't want you to be bond. Praise the Lord. Almost is not enough.